Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Edward Bergen, global food and drink analyst, all-round foodie, and uh, I'm a massive hummus fanatic, which everybody knows about. So, is um, everyone here feeling hungry? Yes. Yeah, always. <laughs> always. always hungry. Um, if you're not feeling hungry now, if you're not feeling hungry now, um, and you're, and this is to our listeners, and you're on a morning or you're on an evening commute, or you're on a lunch break, or you're on an afternoon snooze, and you're you're fancying a chocolate bar, um, we're about to revolutionise your dinner plans. Um, Today's podcast, we're going to explore the foodies' dream, um, and we're all foodies here, so um, yeah, I'm already hungry. Um, we're going to be asking uh, our analysts from around the world, what's the next big cuisine? Um, and I've got some good news and some bad news. Which, which news do you want first? Mm-hmm. Uh, bad. Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, bad news. This, this podcast isn't going to be about hummus, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but we've got the good news. and um, We've got some amazing analysts with us. We've got Aisha, who's sitting here in London with me. Say hello, Aisha. Hello. We've got Melanie in Chicago. Say hello, Melanie. Hello. There we go. And we've got Anna in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, say hello, Anna. Hi. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to start with Aisha. Just give a bit of an intro. Roll who you are. Hello, I'm Aisha Koyenikan. I am a global food and drink analyst here in the London team. And I am generally just a fanatic of food. Uh, and Anna next. Hello, Aisha. Anna next. Hi, I'm Ana Paula de Sugamo from São Paulo, Brazil. Uh, I work at uh, São Paulo at the Brazilian Reports team, and I think I'm just always hungry and always looking for new food and enjoying food. Awesome. I know the next person's always hungry, Melanie. (laughs) (laughs) You should hear what uh, all the colleagues say around me. I'm always looking for the next snack. So I'm Melanie Zanoza-Bartelmi. I'm here in the Chicago office. I'm a global food analyst, and um, I'm always thinking about my next meal. So it's uh, always on my mind. Awesome. Okay. Um, You guys have got a bit of an idea of the format, but I thought I'm going to fill you in. And also our listeners, um, this is all new for you. So the format today. Um, Each of you have brought a cuisine uh, to pitch to us. And the whole idea of this is that we want you to um, bring a cuisine that you feel is untapped, both in your markets and also beyond. So we feel that it has a lot more to give to the world um, with dishes and snacks and all these sorts of things. So what we want to do is we're going to discuss them. Each of you are going to have about your seven minutes-ish to talk about your cuisine. Um, And Melanie, you're up first. All right, no pressure. Um, All right, so I'm going to talk about a cuisine that we have been thinking a lot about. It's something that uh, my other our other colleague here in the Chicago office, Amanda Topper, and I identified in our uh, 2019 flavor and ingredient trends. So what I'm going to talk about is Indian food. Indian food. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know that Indian food is something that we all are to some degree familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I know I, I had a little bit of a feeling you guys might have some... Uh, thoughts about this, but hear me out. 
Okay, so <laughs> one of the things that Amanda and I really looked at in this report was how consumers are getting more and more curious about learning more about the places that they're going, um, about all the things they're eating. They want to know about the specifics. So we're really seeing this opportunity across a lot of different cuisines to kind of go deeper, to give consumers more of that um, more nuanced experience. And one of the cuisines that we really think that there's just so much potential for, especially in the U.S., is Indian. So this is something that everybody probably knows, a you know, corner Indian restaurant. They've, they've had their tikka masala, um, but it's something that we've generally seen be sort of a, a monolithic sort of thing. You know, you think about Indian sort of as a concept, but the thing that we're really starting to see is that there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of people out there creating some really good food that's built around more specific regional cuisine. So this is something that in the U.S., most of the Indian food that you think of is Northern Indian. So this is kind of also why you see it being served with naan. Uh, naan is made from wheat and the north of India is a lot, has a lot of wheat-based breads and ingredients. But will it say in, in, in I'm, I'm stopping you. Um, no. will, it, will it say in America that it, it is Northern Indian in an average Indian restaurant? Will it just say no. Indian? Okay. I, I, I do not think so. And I mean, I, I always love to be proven wrong. You know, I, I love for people to come back and say, oh, no, I, my corner restaurant does that. But I think generally there isn't, there isn't this pervasive knowledge around what types of dishes make up which types of parts of the cuisine, you know, and from, from which regions. So this is something, though, that we are starting to see kind of start to play out, and we're seeing some more development around some state-specific cuisines. So have you guys heard of um, this, well, I hope, the state of uh, Kerala? Yep. Yeah. So Carolyn food is something that we're really starting to see a lot of um, lot of interest in, a little bit of activity around. We just got this really great food hall here in Chicago called Politan Row. So there's this restaurant called Datu, which I probably mispronouncing. I'm very sorry. But it is um, all uh, Carolyn food. So they have Carolyn fried chicken. So just describe to our listeners who won't know what Carolyn food is. Yeah. So one of the things about it is that it's really this universally flavorful kind of cuisine. It's um, on the coast. So there's a lot of seafood. It's actually a cuisine that includes a lot of meat, which you know some um, Indian restaurants and some Indian regions don't eat a lot of meat. So this is something that is also got a lot of different kinds of flavors. So a lot of different kinds of spices. It's something that really offers a lot for any kind of um, Indian food consumer, whether it's somebody who's, you know, has a lot of familiarity with the Indian food that they already know, but also something like fried chicken, no matter what you, uh, what cuisine type it is, fried chicken in the U.S. is something that is really ubiquitous. It's something that's, you know, a really good sort of entry point. Um, and that's also something that's really interesting. We have been seeing Indian dishes growing both at Indian restaurants. So there's more Indian restaurants and more Indian dishes overall, but we're also seeing Indian 
dishes grow at non-Indian restaurants, um, according to Mintel's Menu Insights tool. Like, so we're tracking all the, the menu introductions. So that is telling me that consumers are going to be out there getting exposed to Indian flavors by chefs across cuisine. So they're going to be running out into this, whether they're actually going and specifically seeking out Indian food. So they're going to start to see more of this overall as well. So we're seeing a mixture of some restaurants being authentic. Yeah. And we have other restaurants being totally inauthentic. It's about fusion. It's about just an international and I think, too, what it really is, is about really creating this space for these chefs and these, um, I think, some retail brands as well to open up that space for their personal story and their personal experience to come through. Um, there's one restaurant. I'm actually going to be headed out there. Uh, check this out this week. But it, it has a butter chicken which is something that's already sort of a fusion food because it's something that was created um, not in India. It was created, um, I believe, in the UK. And so, um, but they're taking that and then they're wrapping it up in a calzone. So that's oh something that feels like right in line with our whole Chicago, yeah, deep dish kind of <laughs> thing. But, you know, there's a lot of interpretation. There's a lot of exploration. Um, so it's really cool to see all of the different kinds of ways this is starting to play out. And I think that there's just still a lot more that people are going to be doing with it. So I'm going to just shift the focus a bit. I'm going to go to you, Anna, because um, I'm wondering, and this is my lack, you know, I, I, I don't know dramatic amounts about the, the, the Brazilian market. Does Indian have a role? Um, here in Brazil, we do have this uh, Indian influence. We don't have much immigration from India. So we can see one another restaurants in the capitals, but it's like, uh, it's not that, uh, I, don't, I don't think that people are really familiar with chicken masala, for example, here. So it's not uh, a cuisine that it's, it's, that's have a, a lot of space here now. And um, I don't know if this can grow or not, but I, I saw here in Sao Paulo, uh, it's hard to talk about Brazil <laughs> because it's huge. So I think I can talk more about uh, Sao Paulo. Um, and um, we see maybe an opportunity as a vegetarian option here. Mm. So we have some uh, restaurants that are more focused on uh, vegan or vegetarian options and are based on uh, Indian cuisine. So maybe this can be an approach here. So, so you use point. the vegan and plant-based trend to let yeah. it play. Yes, and, and, and how we are seeing people trying to eat a little bit of less, less meat here. Uh, our our uh, um, culinary is very focused on meat. And, uh, but we, we, see, we saw this, we saw people trying to eat a little bit less meat. So maybe this can be an approach, maybe this can be an opportunity too. But I think uh, we, we maybe need a chicken masala iconic dish here to make this more attractive uh, for our consumers. But it's not something that is not even close to be uh, very, uh, very having a, a great present, present here. So I think maybe, maybe this vegan or vegetarian approach could be uh, a way to get this consumer. I read some data a few years ago, um, which I found very interesting, looking at why 
so I'm, I'm also going to come with a bit of a devil's advocate to you because we, we want to <laughs> pick, pick a winner here. Uh-huh. Um, and Aisha and I are sitting in the UK. And look, I've been, I've been eating Indian since, as you know, we brought up in the north of England. We've got Indian curry houses on every street. And, and we're not talking basic Indian. We're talking very authentic, very regionalized dishes. Um, I, I read some data and I read it in the States that in the UK, um, if you want a go-to spicy dish, um, you'd go Indian. But actually, the, the, the Mexican has the same role as that spicy dish in the United States because of its immigration. And therefore, it, there's only one place in the week for a spicy meal. And consumers use their Indian in the UK or their Mexican in the US for that reason. Um, so just That's challenging you on that. Is there a yeah. big, I know that there's growth, but actually, is there, is there going to be enough growth or is it always going to be Mexican just being in charge. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm kind of thinking about how, you know, you're saying there's a curry house in every corner. And for us, there's, in Chicago especially, there's a ton of, um, you know, burrito places and and a whole range of different kind of, of Mexican food. But kind of until recently, at least in Chicago, um, when you wanted to go get Indian food, you had to go to um, the Indian neighborhood. Um, so for us, this is off of a street called Devon. And what I think is really kind of indicating that there is a lot of growth here is that you're starting to find this not just in sort of neighborhood places where a bunch of people um, who are Indian might might be eating it, you know, day to day, but I think that we're seeing an influx of, um, you know, fine dining Indian restaurants. There's a restaurant that started in San Francisco called Rue. We just got um, our first location of that in Chicago in the West Loop, which is a a very trendy, very foodie area. And Mm -hmm. we're just seeing more and more of this happening and happening at a very high level. So I think there's going to be a lot of attention to it. And uh, and I think what's interesting, too, is I don't think necessarily Indian is, is something that we all think of as spicy here. I think that there's... A lot of there is definitely spicy. I, I okay. have some trouble sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's something I think that there's a lot of variation on. So, okay, um, I we want to go to the next cuisine. We're going to keep talking about them. I want you to do ten seconds Indian cuisine. Why do you think there's an untapped opportunity? Go. Oh, this is uh, pressure. Okay, so I think that there is an untapped uh, potential for Indian cuisine because consumers are traveling the world. Consumers are eating more. They want to know more. They're getting. They want to go deeper into these cuisines. Indian has been relatively untapped. However, we are seeing a ton of Indian um, happening a little bit in the the snack and sauces categories. So there's already some exposure there. So all of these kind of factors together are making it um, a risk-free sort of easy way to kind of get into it. Three, two, one. Okay. So we might might get back to Indian again. We will because we're going to get to it at the end. But um, I want to go to Anna. Um, And you told us what you were going to be talking about, but I'm actually really fascinated by this in your market. Um, So... Can you tell us your cuisine, but also tell us a bit about um, why will why you think it's got an untapped opportunity as well in Brazil and Sao Paulo, and and um, what you what you really think is going to work with consumers? Okay, uh, can be a little bit surprised because I choose mm. Korean cuisine 
So I don't know if when someone thinks in Brazil, we'll be thinking about an Asian cuisine come and being more popular here. But we have, uh, especially here in Sao Paulo, some other areas and some other regions, uh, many immigrants from Asia, especially from Japan, China, and, and South Korea. So, uh, and, I'm, and I'm, we've been seeing this, this uh, Korean uh, expansion, especially here in Sao Paulo, but I talked with some friends of mine in other capitals, and we can see this too in other regions. Uh, and I think this is, is uh, interesting because, uh, as Melanie said before, we could, we could find some of uh, um, Korean uh, restaurants in a neighborhood here that we have a lot of many immigrants Korean immigrants, but now we can find more, um, for example, in one month I had food on this neighborhood here that is a, that we, where we can find very traditional um, dishes and very traditional restaurants. Um, many times that all the menu and all people just speaking in, in, in mm. Korean and, and don't have an, even translated in Portuguese. And uh, we also have this, this um, K-pop chicken chain that is a more fast food uh, version of this. And they are growing, like having more here in Sao Paulo, having more units in different neighborhoods. So this is coming to other places. And also I went to Coma, that is a contemporary, contemporary uh, Korean restaurant here in Brazil. There the chef is... Uh, son of a, a Korean family from immigrants. So we are seeing like this in many, many, uh, many different types. And also here we have, um, especially in Sao Paulo, but also in other cities too, the, the K-pop and the, the Korean culture very strong. So I think this, this, all this movement to understand and be interesting in Korean culture mm. can also, uh, start to be more present in the cuisine too. And also we can, uh, I don't know, we, uh, the Korean uh, cuisine also, also have a fried, very good fried chicken option. Yeah. So maybe for US can be universal. Yes, universal. And we have, uh, they have like this uh, bibimbap. With an egg, with an egg inside. Yes, that is. It's like uh, with rice at the base and some vegetables, sometimes meat and the egg. And the rice, it's a a very important base from Brazil for Brazil dishes. So maybe it's also something to help people to um, see this as a really meal, like more closer to they are used to have. So and we also in Brazil have many different dishes with. Um, that is a mix of many ingredients. So we have rice, we have vegetables, we have different types of meat. So maybe this is a similarity too. Uh, let me see if I have any more things to win this fight. What, what I might do as well, because uh, I think it's interesting, and I, I've been to a few um, Koreans myself um, quite recently. I went to a really good place called Jinju in Soho, London. Um, but I think Aisha's been to a few herself. So what's your feeling of it from a European London point of view? Um, 
So I think there's there's a lot of interest in um, certainly in London around Korean food. Um, it's kind of spicy, it's sweet. Um, so those flavor profiles really, really suit the, the UK palate for sure. And also the interest in um, digestive health and fermented food fits really nicely mm-hmm. because of, you know, you've got your kimchi, you've got your gochujang. Um, so it hits on, on many different levels. I think the other thing with Korean food, so like you were saying, Anna, you can go the very traditional route, which is great, but you can also have this whole fusion. Um, so, you know, your Korean fried chicken, or we're seeing things like bulgogi um, pizzas and all sorts of, 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 you know, crazy things that we're seeing over here. So it. What is a bulgogi pizza? So it's um, so bulgogi is like a I think like a sweet and spicy marinated meat, and so yeah. we're seeing that on on pizzas and all kinds of like really interesting things happening with mashups of different. So all fusion makers are being able to try it. When we, when we look at our data, consumers get so afraid to to sort of jump in, and it's yeah. helping them be more adventurous. Yeah, um, yeah the fusion. So. We're definitely seeing interest in in that in the US too, and it's funny because the way we ask it we're asking specifically about korean tacos being you know that sort of mm. uh fusion food sort of an uh established it's like maybe what u.s consumers think of when they think of that first mm. okay um anna we're gonna go back to your your final pitch because we might get back to this one again so you've got well, I think Melanie took a few liberties, but you've got <laughs> ideally 10 seconds um, to... to uh, that's, the, that's the idea. I'm not going to make it easy. 10 seconds, Korean, Brazil and beyond, go. Uh, so I think it's the, coach, the Korean culture having more space around the world. So I think this is important too because people get interested in all the cultural topics and food, it's definitely one huge part of a culture of a country. So, and also you can use like parts, as Aisha said, parts of these dishes like bulgogi meat and prepare like sandwiches or other stuff. Here in Brazil, we don't, in many regions, we don't eat that much spicy food Mm. uh, as maybe surprised that it sounds, but, um, um, but we have like, like all these other different uh, possibilities to fusion foods. And we have this Asian um, culture very, very strong here. We have like, okay. uh, we had like this Japanese uh, wave food a long time ago. Getting so into Japanese now, you're going to be <laughs> going in Asian. I'm going to so just, I'm just going to cut you off. Okay, I think I'm okay, being okay. Awesome. <laughs> gives you yeah no leeway I'm not, I'm not the easy one um i love that that was a really interesting conversation especially when we're getting into um some of these other dishes um we've got one more that actually um from my point of view um when i'm thinking about the food that i eat um is something that uh um I think it's quite new for the UK um, and uh, be interested to see if it's new for other cultures too. Um, so Aisha, you're up. Yes. Well, thank you, um, Melanie and Anna, for warming up the audience. But I'm here to give you the winning cuisine. <laughs> warming up. Fighting <laughs> word. Um, yeah, coming out fighting. So I am here to advocate for Caribbean food. Um, now, this is not just because I am of Caribbean descent, <laughs> although that does, make me, that does make me quite passionate. There's, there's a raft of reasons why I think um, Caribbean food, certainly here in the UK, is both under and misrepresented and I think there's a load of scope for more to be done with it. So 
Firstly, I think the face of Caribbean food here in the UK is very much Jamaican. So it's all about um, jerk chicken and rum. Um, it's all about adding some mango and some coconut to something and calling it exotic. Um, <laughs> and there's just so much more. There's so much more to the Caribbean region, to the Caribbean islands than that. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface. Um, there's been quite a few, <laughs> there's been quite a few, I won't say scandals, but there's been some backlash against chefs creating their own versions or interpretations. Okay, name so name so we had Marco Pierre White a few years ago as part of his NOR campaign. He created um authentic and I'm using inverted commas, authentic uh rice and peas with chicken. And then Jamie Oliver, good old Jamie Oliver, um uh, tried to create some jerk rice uh, recently and got royally smashed in the media for that and, and got a lot of backlash <laughs> against that. So um I think there are opportunities for Caribbean cuisine to grow via exploration of the nuances between the different islands. So the Caribbean, um, the cuisine was very much formed a by the, the the indigenous people, but then the waves of colonization and obviously slavery and that has shaped the the different islands. And they all have a very different flavor. We have French influence, um, Dutch, British. Indian, all sorts of all sorts of different um, influences there, and I think there's just so much more to pull out. So, consumers, especially here in the UK, they are very interested in trying authentic cuisines, um, and I think a deep dive into different islands. So, for example, it might be from Guyana. There's um, an Amerindian-derived dish called pepper pot stew. Um, so that's stewed meats in cinnamon and cassareep. So cassareep is derived from cassava. Um, so that's a really richly spiced um, meaty stew there. And then, for example, in Trinidad, there's a lot of Indian influences. So after slavery was abolished, um, there was a wave of, indentured um, workers from India that came in and, and, and worked um, in Trinidad, bringing their own foods with them. So you have dishes like um, like chana and doubles. Doubles are like fried flatbreads with chutney and, and relish and hot pepper in there. And then you have obviously the African influence from the slaves that were brought into these islands. So in Barbados, you'll find a dish called cuckoo, which is a polenta cooked with okra, so very traditional like West African ingredients and, and yeah, brought over by slaves. So I think there's loads to explore there. And actually, if you look at Caribbean cuisine, it very much falls in line with current food trends. So things like plant-based, we're all talking about plant-based food. Nobody can get enough of plant-based food at the moment. Well, Caribbean cuisine was born from adversity. So pretty much Caribbean people had to eat what they could grow. So we're talking yams and plantains, beans, greens, that sort of thing. Um, and the link to Rastafarianism as well. So Rastafarianism is all about eating idle food, which is raw, which is organic, vegetarian and unprocessed, very much in line with, you know, the, the vegan movement at the moment using coconut milk instead of dairy, for example, um, just adding another level to the, the, the vegan discussion, I think. And there's loads that could be done around I'm gonna, that. I'm going to just challenge you once because yeah. I, I know I've 
talked to you about uh, Caribbean food before and, and you'll, you could just talk for a, a long time. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> do you think, and this is the big challenge, that actually consumers are, are ready for it? And the reason I ask it is because at the moment, um, yeah, like in the UK, we've got what Levi Roots, um, who uh, was in Dragon's Den, one of our, these programs where you pitch your business. Um, and he's probably, for a lot of people, the face of, um, of uh, well, Caribbean food. He's got his chicken brand and you'll, you'll probably go after him. And are they ready to, 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 to go into these new areas or actually just getting a jerk chicken in front of somebody is, is enough um, for the consumer at the moment? So I feel like jerk chicken has been around for ages. So we've had the Notting Hill Carnival, like one, the, I think it's the biggest carnival in Europe here and jerk chicken is on every corner. I think people are quite familiar with that. I think people are definitely ready to take a deeper dive. So it's interesting, Melanie, listening to you talk about Indian cuisine and obviously here in the UK, Indian cuisine is much more well-established than it is in the States. But back in the day, Indian cuisine was interestingly enough made by Bangladeshis in this country and there was no distinguishment between uh, Bangladesh cuisine, Indian cuisine, Pakistan cuisine. Now we have Goan cuisine, we have Sri Lankan cuisine. You know, it's it's very regional and it's very focused and very authentic and there's no reason why the same thing cannot happen with Caribbean cuisine. You know, and we're starting to see a, a, a sort of a fast casual restaurant level and a few finer dining restaurants as well that are very much in that lane. So we have places that are like the London's West Indian Bake Company. So they're say, serving up products from Grenada um, or we have lime in like a Trinidadian food pop up in, in um, Spitalfields here in London. So we're starting to see it come through. Okay. That's so I wanna, what I want to do is let the other guys explore it a bit. So Anna, in, um, in Brazil, is it something that, that is, is there any immigration, or is there something that you were you th- that you've seen already, or is this is this another new cuisine for for your market? Um, we don't have this much immigration uh, from Caribbean here, uh, and uh, I don't remember to seeing restaurants uh, focused on Caribbean here. As I, I saw, um, as I just said, I saw you know maybe. Uh, some Jamaica, Jamaica bar or more specific for for Jamaica food from Jamaica, and um, but I think that could be uh, could be an opportunity because we use maybe many ingredients in our mm. our our preparation of food here in Brazil, but also maybe this can be a disadvantage because maybe we don't see an iconic dish to make this more yes more mm. excited and more like um, um, yeah getting people to to know more about this cuisine and to more uh, to want to try this food so because we already have many dishes that also have this immigration along the years inflation so uh, the African from slavery and, and etc so maybe it's it's will be good to have this more here because we it will be good to to know to have this pros, pros, uh, I don't know I forgot the yeah, the word but to have this <laughs> okay uh, yeah. This, yeah. this connection more with this culture but and also we could have this the ingredients to do this in a properly way but I don't think we yeah. have many immigrants and uh, many representatives from this culture to right. have a place to start mm-hmm. yes. um, Melanie you must have um, populations of uh, of Caribbean um, uh, communities uh, already there but again and, and I don't know if it's the same challenge and, I'm, and I don't want to 
sound like I'm, um, I'm uh, like not sort of stereotyping, but um, cuisine like again Mexican, um, which is so established, um, and some of those cuisines, and also you're exploring Asia. Is there a, an opportunity for for Caribbean cuisine? Um, is it using the same yeah. ingredients as maybe South America? So. Ed, I think you're going to love me here because I found a way to bring Mediterranean food in here. So we, <laughs> there's a, a restaurant here in Chicago called Sira. And what I really like about it is it's, it's calling itself a modern Mediterranean restaurant. But all of the dishes on the menu, um, they call out that this one is from this specific place. So this might be Syrian. This might be Israeli. So it really feels like there's an opportunity um, both in, I would say, fine dining restaurants like that, as well as fast casuals, to have that opportunity to say, look, there's a lot of things here that are all maybe a little bit related, but mm -hmm. you can call out what those origins are, what that actual story is to give kind of a little bit more context around it. Um, it's something that there's a, a place that's opening up, it may be open now in New York, where it's looking at rice from a lot of different kinds mm. of, of uses, different cultures. So kind of taking that centering around one ingredient and then being able to tell the story of a couple of different things through that. I mean, I think that we we do have Jamaican food here. We, we've got Caribbean food, but I don't think anybody, I mean, and I hope, I really do hope that we hear from people who say, no, you're wrong. I, I know about this place because I would like to look at it. Um, that, that there are these places. <laughs> You'd go and eat there. These opportunities. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll be there. You know, I'm, I am hungry. So um, to, to be able to explore this more because this is something, and I'm not saying that Aisha is going to win here for this, but it is something that I also feel like there's a huge opportunity for in the US. So definitely on board. Okay. Aisha, yeah. you've got your 10 seconds. Shoot. I think Caribbean cuisine is the way forward because it taps into current consumer trends such as nose to tail eating and sustainability. Um, everything from salted fish to salted pig's tails and tripe is utilized really well in Caribbean cooking. There's loads of plant-based um, meals, beans and loads of plant-based protein. So that should definitely tap into consumer sentiment as well. Um, there are loads of products that have heat, which a lot of markets are looking for more heat. So we use a lot of Scotch bonnet, um, loads of flavor, loads of taste. Um, so, yeah, I think there are loads of reasons why West Indian food needs to evolve past jerk chicken. And let's start exploring some of these beautiful islands. Right. And then let's go there. And let's go there. I kind of don't want to pick a winner. Um, do any of you... I know if you were going to pick not your own cuisine, and I don't know which one it is, this might be a really, really silly question to ask. Um, is the one that really is speaking to you or from the other two that you've heard of, um, Anna, is the one that speaks to you? Um, I think that Caribbean um, cuisine speaks more to me, but I think... dancing. <laughs> But I think that uh, maybe now, Indian, we have more opportunity in Brazil. Hmm. Okay. Oh, so, so she, preemptive I, dancing. I dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> Melanie. Okay. So I, and I'm saying this, hmm, okay. So I think that um, Korean is still something really great to be calling out because it's something in the U.S. that we're seeing evolve and we're seeing kind of more uh, moving beyond some of the maybe, 
I'm going to air quote. What did, what did you call it, Aisha? You said inverted commas. Commas, yeah. Oh, I love talking <laughs> to you guys. So um, I'm going to say that um, that. Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought here. I got too. I'm going to say that Caribbean food is the winner. Oh, is that mm. what I'm saying? So Korean food, we're, we're kind of moving past maybe some of those entry level type things. So we're going to get a little bit deeper. That's kind of my whole, you know, uh, take here is that there's still lots of room within all of these cuisines to right. go mm-hmm. more regional, to go more specific. So I'm going to say we're all winners. You're all winners. But I, mean, I, quite, say, I quite like Gokju Jagu. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Absolutely. I'm going to say that I think that even though there's still a lot of opportunity for Korean to continue to expand, I'm really excited about the Caribbean. I mean, Ayesha, I, th- I think I got to give it to you because I just think that there's there's just really so much that has not happened yet that mm. there's so much excitement. There's so much that really could be done. So by definition of untapped, um, and while I've been having quite a lot of gochujang cauliflower in various places that I'm really enjoying in Korean food with little pieces of fermented like cubes of vegetables, which tastes unbelievable. Um, I feel like the Caribbean trend, um, and I think we used the word when we prepared for this, is has been cliched. Am I right, Aisha? Yeah. yeah. And that there's this this there's this. massive opportunity to open that out to explore different um, cuisines and flavors and um, you can definitely could do so much more with the dishes that are there you know the fact that people that you'd struggle to ask the average consumer past jerk chicken and what like a a pineapple uh, (laughs) cocktail um, what they think about Caribbean food or um, like where would they go with it Um, I feel like because that's probably the end of their um, their list of Caribbean um, foods that there's clearly this white space opportunity i love korean and i eat indian all the time so this was a great Mm -hmm. podcast for us um but i think that the caribbean cuisine feels more untapped um, there's just nothing about at the moment um guys uh that that's the end which is really sad um i think we thoroughly loved it and i'm gonna actually raise this now because one thing we got to talking about before we um when we were preparing for the podcast is actually getting into um like uh, some of those cliches about cuisine uh, we started talking about fu- fusion there's so many more places for cuisine to go so i, I think that you guys might be called upon over the next 12 months uh, over the next couple of years on these mintel little conversation podcasts to explore those other topics related to mm-hmm. cuisine um, we also didn't really touch on those cuisines in retail too much like in snacking in uh, ready meals all yeah. those categories that we love and yes. um, we just talked about them as a uh, in that sort of yeah. big way um so i think there's so many more places we can take this which is great because that means there's more for next time so thank you very much i'm just gonna um yeah, I just want to say a big thank you to to our listeners. Um, so our listeners, please subscribe, please rate, please review. Especially if you're on a on, a, on an Apple um, device, um, you can easily review. Please do it five stars, lovely reviews. Um, or you can get it on any of the platforms. Um, we haven't we haven't been around for too long. I think this is probably um, in our first sort of. This might be our eleventh or twelfth episode. So spread the word um, and please catch uh, catch another podcast next week on Mintel's Little Conversation. Um, jump on Mintel.com. If you want to know more about Mintel, um, we're on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're really hip and trendy and cool now. Um, <laughs> and also we've got our blog, which is epic. Um, so to get a lot more insights from our wonderful analysts. Guys, thank you so, so much. Thank, thank you. you.